And so long story short, it just kept booming. More mm -hmm. people wanted to do it. Within about a year and a half of starting that, we had moved it three times in the bigger facility. Oh, wow. Ended up taking up a, a, a whole basketball court eventually. And, um, and then when we sold the building, I was like, well, can this be sustainable on its own without the backing of a large gym behind us? And um, so I opened the Lehigh location and I just kept growing every month. Is that, was this your plan, your whole plan growing up? You're like, I'm going to own a business of my own one day. Yeah, actually, um, from the time I was six, you know, my, my parents would tell me stories of my business ideas, but I, I've <laughs> been uh, an entrepreneur my whole life. I never thought I would own boxing gyms or, mm -hmm. or, you know, I own a few different things and, um, yeah, I've, I'll, I've always had this in my DNA. Happy Friday, everybody. I hope you guys have enjoyed your week so far. I have an amazing guest for you today, but before I jump too much into that, I gotta let you know, please join the Discord channel. That's all I need you to do. That's the new Thinking Project group. We're replacing the Facebook group with the Discord group. So jump in there. It's a great place to network. It's a great place to uh, meet new people, ask questions and all that good stuff. So join the Discord group. The link to that is in the description below. And with all that being said, Rob Scott, join me today. He's the owner of Legends Boxing and a few other businesses. In fact, serial entrepreneur, we had a great conversation. Uh, and don't forget to share this with your friends, leave a rate and review, all that good stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I really hope you enjoy this. Welcome, everybody. This is Dalton Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. Cool. <laughs> How's it going? Good. Good, man. I, uh, so yeah, we got, like I said, connected on Facebook. Um, but yeah, I've always seen your boxing videos and everything like that. How long have you been in boxing? Uh, I'm kind of a hobbyist, so I've been off and on since I was younger, but, uh, competed, gosh, it's been like 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. And then I just like to stay in shape and get in the <laughs> ring and stay busy. Boxing is a good way to do that. Yeah. It's a big hobby for me. My brother, uh, he, he had a couple state championships and fought nationals and had a pretty good run. Oh, wow. Competitively. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, uh, they do boxing pretty young here, right? Like you can start as young as kind of as you can. For us. No, we start them at 12. We, we oh, generally okay. have uh, kids younger than our workouts are really hard. And okay. so, uh, it's not really great for younger kids. So we, uh, we send them to karate or jujitsu or something like that early. And then when they're ready to start boxing, about 12 for, for us. Some, yeah. Some gyms go uh, younger. Some, and, and, but if they go younger, then it's probably just like what footwork and maybe like um, shadow doing, boxing. You know, it's a uh, uh, boxing kind of caters to all kinds of different backgrounds and, and uh, traditionally like a urban youth kind of activity. That's kind of how I got interested in it was a guy teaching it out of his garage to kids kind of help give back to the community. Yeah. And um, you know, it's a great, confidence builder it's a great just thing for kids to learn we're just focused a lot on the conditioning side yeah and so we're uh, a lot of the traditional fight gyms so to speak they they're training these kids to fight you know and so it's a very it's a different dynamic yeah is it is is boxing um is it a sponsored high school sport is it like 
affiliated with any high schools? Not that I'm aware of. They, okay. they, it's USA boxing. So similar like USA hockey, USA baseball, USA, whatever. Yeah. So there is a USA boxing. That's like the governing body for amateur boxing. Okay. And that is what facilitates so like, all of the competitions. So it's like a club. It's just club if they wanted to yeah. do that. Right. But, but yeah. I mean, I say just club, but like, I was always curious to see like what was in high schools and what wasn't because like when I was in high school, I, my high school was really like small and mm-hmm. poor. So we had like two, you know, we just had the basics, right? Like football, volleyball, track and field and like swimming and stuff like that. But like, but as I got like out here where stuff is big, like I didn't know they had like so many other sports available. So I just wasn't sure. Yeah. And so it's traditionally USA boxing. Then you do golden gloves as a, as a way to compete. And then you can go to and earn belts and championships. Then you go to junior Olympics, then Olympics, then professionally few different oh, wow. routes to go professional, but yeah, most everyone starts with USA boxing. That's pretty cool. And how, and you said you've been doing it for a really long time. You said you're from a kid, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I've dabbled, right. And, yeah. uh, it, it really took me, um, I, I played a lot of different sports, but boxing was something I've always just loved. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Though. A little older. Yeah. No, I, I like that. Um, so, so you, you know, you mentioned, you know, just now that it's like been a, a hobby or something life for you, but it must've been something a little more than that. Cause you ended up starting a boxing gym and now you've got franchises, right? Yeah. So I have this like curse of whatever I love doing. I figure out a way to make money at it. <laughs> <laughs> so then it ends up becoming a job. So, um, I, in my early thirties, I really started getting into the competitive side of boxing and training at a gym called Brustler's boxing and. Yeah, my brain just naturally goes. How can I make money at this and eventually open a gym and yeah, started Legends that way. Oh, that's cool. Um, when did you like? What year did you start Legends? So uh, it was called something else. It was called um, XSI Factory Boxing. So I used to own a sports complex at the point of the mountain. It was called Open Court. Some people know it, and um, we had every kind of sport you can think of: football, baseball, lacrosse, volleyball. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to put a boxing program in there. And it was mainly to train fighters and uh, put on events. Yeah. And so that's kind of how it was started. And then it was doing so well, we created legends out of it and eventually yeah. sold that building and started. And this moved to the Lehigh location that we have now. The Lehigh. So this was the first Lehigh where we're at right now is the first location. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And then you, and then you got into franchise. I mean, tell us the story like before you got into franchising though, like what was that like during the small time? So, um, like I mentioned before, our main focus was fighters and getting, uh, people competitions and, and that's kind of how my brother got into, uh, uh, winning some state championships. And, um, at that same location, this XSI factory, we had about 15,000 gym members that just came to lift weights or work out or do mm-hmm. whatever. Right. Um, and we had one of the members watching our boxers do a conditioning class in the morning and he came up and said, Hey, can I do that conditioning class? I was like, yeah, why not? You know, and he's like, well, I don't want to get hit. And I said, that's okay. You know, you can just go do the conditioning. You don't have to do the sparring part. Right. And so he did it, loved it, was super hard, got said one of the best workouts he's ever done. Light went off in my head and I was like, huh, maybe we need to do a class that's teaching real authentic USA boxing, but anybody that wants to do it, they don't necessarily have to be a fighter or want to fight. So I went to my brother and I said, Hey, what do you think about teaching a class like this? And he's like, I don't know how to teach fake boxing. So we got to do the real stuff. And so, uh, that's kind of how legends was born. Kind of at that moment, we, we took a small little dance room inside of that. It, it was probably a thousand square feet 
total and yeah. had like six bags hung up and we would teach these classes and it was basically fine tuning what the conditioning was for our fighters. We didn't water it down, didn't dumb it down. We taught the technique and how to throw proper punches and head movement and footwork and all of that. And so long story short, it just kept booming. More mm -hmm. people wanted to do it. Within about a year and a half of starting that, we had moved it three times in the bigger facility. Oh, wow. Ended up taking up a, a, a whole basketball court eventually. And, um, and then when we sold the building, I was like, well, can this be sustainable on its own without the backing of a large gym behind us? And um, so I opened the Lehigh location and I just kept growing every month better than the month before. And we realized we had something. We kind of dialed everything in and went through changing this wall and adding that and trying this product and personal training and group this and everything you could think of that didn't work or worked. Yeah. Finally dialed in where we realized we had a system. So at that point I had to test it in another market and see, was this a one hit wonder or could we potentially scale this thing? And so yeah. we uh, were looking in Riverton was our, was our second spot. And a gentleman, my name is Lance, had a gym called Catchweight, and it was struggling like most boxing gyms struggle. Um, it's usually a passion, not really a moneymaker. Mm -hmm. So we went to him and said, hey, we need another location. And I know that you're, you know, you're, you're having a hard time turning a profit. We put our systems with you and you turn into a Legends and uh, our agreement will come and help you do all this stuff, no charge. But if we franchise, we'd turn you into a franchise. And, and he took a huge risk. <laughs> and uh trusted us and uh you know me and my brother kind of went in and took over his gym and turned it into a legends and just uh it in in less than four months it was profitable he went his, went on his first vacation in three years you know that summer <laughs> so uh yeah he's 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 doing great and it's been geez it's been like six or seven years since uh, that happened and um you know he's been profitable ever since survived COVID, all those type of things so after that then we realized we had something and then what do we do? How do we scale? Do we keep opening more locations Yeah. or do we franchise? So there was a friend of mine named Michael Debenham that was big into franchising. He said, Rob, you really need to franchise this. And so I did a lot of research on franchising. It took me a full year of due diligence and going to franchise conferences to really see if this is something that was uh, something we could do yeah. and be effective at it. We ended up doing it and then just took off. We sold like close to 40 locations in the first two years of franchising. Wow. I should say territories. Is, yeah. Territory. Is, is yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sell it as, but um, yeah, it just took off. It was just crazy. And then we've that's been insane. opening them every couple of years and it's been a fun story. Holy cow. That's crazy. Okay. So let's, let's keep going, Rob. So yeah, you helped this guy become profitable in his entire business. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of businesses, they suffer from systems and consistency, right? So yeah. when, when we looked at it, Pricing was all over the map. They weren't really sure what they were offering. You, you'd go to like a boxing class, then a kickboxing class, then yeah. a Zumba class, and whoever yeah. would pay him money, right? And so it really makes it hard for the community or the marketplace to know who you are and what you are. So with Legends, we drew a line, right? We, we had just teach boxing, USA Boxing. We, we, we set a goal that we were going to be the best at that. Yeah. And uh, it makes it easy for the market to go, oh, Legends Boxing teaches boxing. Yeah. So Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Okay. Um, and then you realize that you, so you had the model proven. So you have legends boxing, you go to the second location. Um, and then, and then it just kind of grew from there. What, what made you think 40 locations, like what made you want to end up like expanding that big? Um, it really didn't. It was just kind of a <laughs> surreal thing. Like, um, yeah. the, the 
sales came out of nowhere. It was, it was yeah. a, lo- a lot of our members. We, we do an event every year. You might've heard of it. That, that's that been a great place for us to cultivate potential candidates that want to open franchises, but it's called the executive fight night. And we have business owners fight other business owners and <laughs> train them for nine weeks and then put them on the stage. And it's kind of, no, like a, I've never heard of that. Are uh, you serious? Yeah, It's a blast. We do <laughs> like celebrity, like celebrity boxing. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> idea kind of came from that. So yeah. we, uh, um, we do. It's our seventh year of doing it. It's now the largest boxing show in Utah history. It's pretty amazing wow, what, what has dude. happened, and so accidental. So it kind of started similar to Legends, as, as I had this idea of. Well, we, we used to put on amateur fights, right? Where it was, um, you know, if your friend or your brother were fighting or whatever, right? You'd go watch his first fight, but probably after a second or third, it's kind of like lost the fun, cool. You know, now it's their <laughs> sport, right? And so yeah, yeah, yeah. you only go if it's like this big event. We were finding that whenever we put on events, if we had a first time fighter and they happen to own a business at the same time, that they brought 10 times the amount of people to our shows. Yeah. So I said, well, why not put on an event where the whole show is all first time fighters and business owners? And (laughs) so we ended up selling an absurd amount of tickets. We weren't ready for it. It was an hour to get into the show. And we were like, oh, crap, we weren't expecting this. Wow. So we learned real quick that we had something. So as an ancillary thing, we sold a ton of franchises by either people that participated in it or people that watched it and they wanted to learn more about legends and what we do and how we put on these events and so on and so forth. Holy cow. Just kept growing from there. Yeah. That's insane. Um, wow. What was the craziest who like any big business owners that I might know? Oh, we've had, uh, we've had, uh, all over the place from, uh, one of the top level executive at Adobe fought one year. (laughs) Uh, the CXO from Progression, which has 3,000 yeah. employees. Um, we've had a lot of um, lawyers, a lot of, uh, you know, all types of, it's what's wow. cool. How do they, do you, do you seek them out or do they come to you? So we did in the beginning, it was a lot of like, hey, you want to fight, you know, and now we yeah. have a waiting list and people Whoa. that try do- to pay us to compete <laughs> in this thing. And if you, if you go and look it up, it's kind of fun. Cause we put a lot of production into it. With, yeah. You know, that's a $50,000 event now to put on oh, with wow. lighting and, and cameras uh, and everything. Can, yeah. Everything. So we try to make it as close to a professional Vegas show as you can get with ring girls and you're fighting for a belt and oh, cool. instant replay cameras and a huge jumbotron screen. And we do it at the salt palace uh, with FitCon, So oh, it draws wow. a large crowd <laughs> and it's, uh, it, you know, it had this ancillary effect. I didn't mean for it, but it just kind of worked together. So, Oh my gosh. And do they, when, when they'll, now they, now they email you right now, they reach out. Do they reach out with like people they want to fight? Like, Hey, I've been, I, <laughs> we've had a few so, of so like beefs or something. <laughs> that we've so. tried to do that. Right. Like <laughs> how cool that be is you've got, you know, initially I was like, well, what if we have like a mortgage person versus a real estate agent or whatever. Oh. <laughs> right? yeah. And, uh, we couldn't, it, because it's a sanctioned real match, right. It has to be yeah. run regulated by the state. We yeah. have to follow weight classes and, and, and abilities. And so you have to match people up on a legal oh, bout. And so, okay. so it's, a, it's an actual, it's cool. Cause they get to tell their grandkids someday they fought in a real boxing match and <laughs> judges and yeah. fight doctors and things like that. So, so, okay. So yeah, if somebody calls out, like, I really want to fight this person. Like right. you can't really, if they're not in the same weight or, or, right. or things Which like is typically that. that, right. They usually call yeah. out somebody smaller than them, not, not bigger than them. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you wouldn't call somebody, but that's just, into, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. But you, it wouldn't be like a, wouldn't be like a catch weight kind of thing. Like, you know, some of these celebrity boxing matches, like what the, the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather or Jake Paul Floyd Mayweather, whoever that was. It was like a catch weight, right? There was like 25 pound, 30 pound difference, right? Yeah. That's like a joke, but it, it's yeah. a, 
it's it is a, I, it's I agree a professional yeah. fight so yeah. to speak so they can they can have more leniency with, oh because both of them are pros yeah. and like they know the okay but yeah. with amateurs it's you just like no we don't right do it's pretty structured it is structured rules there's no mm. like leeway on anything and so is there is there things you can do in professional boxing that you can't do in amateur boxing if moves or hits or something like that? No. Um, I mean, we take all kinds of safety precautions because, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, they're going home to their wives and kids or whatever. And, and, uh, right. Nobody's trying to, yeah, like, they're not yeah. winning money for this so it's <laughs> for glory. Yeah. Pride. But like in, but outside of this particular event, are there, are there any rules that, you know, like I'm thinking like, you know, in, in uh, jujitsu or something mm-hmm. like uh, as you move up, uh, belts, like there's some things you can't do as a white belt that you can do as a purple belt. Right. Um, but like in boxing, I don't know, is there anything like that? Like, I mean, you get better, right? Like you, yeah. you faster footwork, better hands. Okay. More. And there, you know, there's definitely as people train. So as we're training them for nine weeks, some people progress really fast and other yeah. people don't. And they're not, not meant to fight. Right. <laughs> they, they may be very tough, but they might not be great boxers. And yeah, being a good fighter also doesn't necessarily make you a great boxer either. And so sure. sometimes we'll have to switch up matchups just to make it fair. We try to keep it safe and fair and, you know, yeah. They're, and you they're, don't want anybody killing. No, no, we don't even want anybody injured. Right. We want yeah. them to have a good time and put on a show for the crowd. And, yeah. And, you know, but every year there's one or two knockouts, there's broken noses and broken ribs. Yeah. And and I'm sure they know that going in. I'm sure you're, they really do. Clear yeah. About it. Yeah. Yep. you're like, Hey, look, this is, you're actually going to get hit in real life. Well, and then the nine weeks of training is intense, right? Because, you know, mm. back in the day when we would get fighters ready, we're spending a year with them before they're oh, wow. getting them ready. We're, we're having these guys drink water through a fire hose and, yeah. and guys and girls, the, the, some of the girl fights have been some of the best fights I've ever seen that wow. more heart and drive than the, on the last show specifically. Yeah. The, the two girl fights were amazing. I was really impressed. And yeah. And I do some of the, I mean, all kudos to all of that because um, you know, so some of the girl UFC fights, some of the female UFC fights are some of the best fights. Oh, I, I mean, they're, they're like, they're like number one in history. Yeah. I agree. Know, it's like crazy. It's so yeah, cool. Very, very entertaining. And, uh, yeah. And it's very awesome. So when you, this is an interesting question because I've been kind of like, along with business, I love like the whole fight scene and like MMA and things like that. But, um, and there's, they're, you know, not all gyms are the same. Right. So when you get somebody here, like is legends boxing still a place where if a, if a young fiery boxer wanted to come in and start his career as like, would they, would they come here as well? So we're kind of a stepping stone. We're, we're great for our first okay. step. Right. Okay. So, um, we usually tell people that want to really do something with this. They, we can get them to like five fights and then they, re, then they usually need to go to a full-time fight gym okay. where their whole focus is getting fighters ready to compete and fight. And there's some great gyms in Utah. Yeah. And so we don't really compete with, um, traditional fight gyms, so to speak. Yeah. We compete more with like CrossFit and things like that. Oh, okay, we cool. want the fitness money. So 95% of our member base, we have over 5,000 members and 95% of them will never punch each other. Yeah. Right? But they learn how to do it. They learn how to do it correctly. We take pride that, you know, there's a lot of like fitness boxing <laughs> yeah. that you, you can probably Google and look up and, and all they do is get a, a they get a great workout, yeah. but they're just hitting a bag. They're not learning how to hit the bag yeah. and they're not learning and proper technique, which actually is ironic because proper technique, you actually get a better workout, but um, you know, that they, their goal is to burn lots of calories and they, and it's a great thing, but yeah. it's, so where legends is we're kind of in the middle, right? We, we took all the concepts and the great stuff that I've learned from the different fight gyms that I would go to and all the cool stuff I learned from my coaches. 
and we softened it up to where it's not intimidating. People are, are welcoming. It's a fun tribe and family environment. Like you yeah. feel comfortable coming. You don't feel intimidated that the guy over there wants to knock your head off, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I loved like some of the gyms that I'd started in. I mean, you, you wouldn't even want to drop your kids off there. It would just be a little bit of a gnarly <laughs> neighborhood or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, but the, the knowledge in that building or in that gym was just second to none. And so I wanted to take all that and make it available to everybody. Mm. And it was a gift that one of my coaches gave me a long time ago. That's helped me my whole life is yeah. just knowing how to do it. Gave me a lot of confidence to, to do stuff, to do hard stuff. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. I think when you're talking about um, just like, and, and like self-defense and like, just how to like, you know, and work out and have fun, I think. And it's, plus it's a cool way, you know, like I think normal traditional gyms, I don't know for like the, for like 95% of people now are just like, you know, like the bosses and stuff like that. Yeah. I just, I don't know. They're not really fun to be at, but like, if you can tell somebody like you work out, like you exercise, do boxing, something like that, I feel like that's pretty awesome to do. Yeah. It's kind of the cool factor. So like yeah, it is a, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. a, uh, it's a pro and a con for us. Like we embrace it. We love it, but it, it also makes it a little harder to advertise to the soccer mom that want <laughs> that we want her to come in and try it just as much as the the business guy that you know, is, has the big ego, right? We want, we want both of them there enjoying and and having a great workout and feeling welcome and comfortable. So we spend a lot of energy and money and time educating through social media and through a lot of efforts of just telling people that this is for you. This isn't like what you may think it is, is just like a meathead sweaty boxing gym, right? (laughs) Right, So so it's, it, but it is cool, right? So like, you don't see a lot of people walking around with orange theory t-shirts. Orange theory has a great workout. Yeah. It really does. And there's, their methods are wonderful, but it's not cool to say I go to Orange Theory, <laughs> but it is cool to say I go to a boxing yeah, gym. So like, we really yeah. embrace that culture, right? It's, yeah, that's cool. Well, us. and I'm just thinking like, you know, cause like, I don't know, you, you look at like Vasa and these places and it's like, you know, if you want to lift weights and like, you know, bench and stuff like that, it's like, I just feel like that's not the everyday person. Like I don't go to, like I used to, but then it's like the gym bros or like right. half naked people running Instagram around. <laughs> yeah. And I'm heroes. like, and like people, everybody's filming, getting mad. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's oh, like, man. it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, let's just, you know? And so then I kind of backed away from that. Cause like now I do like jujitsu and some other things nice. to like stay in shape, Love but jiu-jitsu. like, but yeah, I mean like that's, that's the, that's part of it. So, um, did you, is that, was this your plan, your whole plan growing up? You're like, I'm going to own a business of my own one day. Yeah, actually, um, from the time I was six, you know, my, my parents would tell me stories of my business ideas, but I, I've <laughs> been uh, an entrepreneur my whole life. I never thought I would own boxing gyms or, mm-hmm. or you know, I own a few different things. And um, yeah, I've, I've always had this in my DNA. It's just that's cool. kind of my wiring. Yeah, that's cool. I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I kind of hear that when I interview business owners, I hear both sides like, nope, I never thought I was going to do this. This is how I got into it. But then there's the cool ones, you know, where you're like, I've, uh, and they're all cool, but like, you know, the ones where you're like, yeah, I was six. This is it. I had my eyes on this the whole time and I got it. How was that for you? Like, um, did that change how you approached certain situations knowing that you wanted to be a business owner one day? Yeah. I mean, I, I vividly remember I worked, I was 15 years old and I worked at like an oil changing place. Okay. And I'm terrible with my hands. Like I can't fix anything. I don't even change light bulbs. I have to have somebody else help me with all that stuff. Like I am the worst person to call when you need help fixing something. But here I am trying to change oil on cars, just earning money. Yeah. Cause I've, I've always been interested in money. So, uh, I was, I was working like pretty hard and, and putting out a lot of cars. And 
one of the older guys, he had to be, you know, 30, I was like 15. Right. And he, he came up to me and said, Hey, why are you working so hard? I said, well, cause the day goes by faster and that's mm-hmm. what they told me to do. And he's like, yeah, but do you get paid any more money if more cars get pushed out. And I was like, no, I know it's a horrible moral of the story, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going, I really don't make more money and I'd rather be putting my effort into something that if I work yeah. harder, I make more money. So he wasn't intending to give me that lesson, but I learned that <laughs> lesson at that time that, huh? So then I meet, I shortly after took a second job where I could do telephone sales and telemarketing oh, cool. and I could earn more money by doing that. And that kind of launched me into a sales path and, uh, saw that, ah, oh, if I work hard, I do more than everyone else. I make more than everyone else. And so yeah, it was yeah. a nice little eye opener. Yeah, no, that's cool. I think, um, as you, yeah, as you, you know, you always want to start a business. And so as you approach like those one-off jobs, those those things and with a business mindset, like I know what I want to do. It just changes things a little bit like your perspective. So when you hear something like that, right? Like, right. do you get paid more? You're like, Oh, you know what? No, but I've always wanted to own a business and that's how you get paid more when you work more. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it launched my mindset, right? Like we yeah. just said of, of looking at, Ooh, how do I find something <laughs> that pays me more? Right. For, yeah. for doing more. I was always willing to work hard. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's it, right? Like some people are really good in those positions and, and they work really hard and they're cool with everything that happens. And then there's some of us who are like, no, if I'm going to do all this work, I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill something of mine. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's I, important. I don't know what, there's not really in my mind that a better or worse. I, a lot of sure. young entrepreneurs, I, I speak with them regularly and my advice is always the same. You know, entrepreneurship is the hardest profession you can get in. I mean, yeah. you never shut off. It's 24 hours a day. Your brain is always active and you take it home with you, take it on vacation with you. It's just, it's a blessing and a curse. You have the ability to do more, earn more, see more, but you pay for it, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, and it's just like, where do you want to, yeah. Where do you want to be for sure? I think, um, the, and I just said this in a, I think another podcast, but it was like, um, it's not, uh, how bad do you want it? It's what are you willing to suffer to get it? For sure. Suffer (laughs) is the right word and it's a great lesson, right? Yes, exactly. It's like, how bad, how much are you, how much shit are you willing to put up with to make this work? Yeah. I think suffering is the only thing that helps people change. Like for real, like when you're done suffering, then you make the change, but sometimes you have to be there for a while. You have to go to the valleys. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, so this kind of, I want to kind of backtrack because I love the story of business, but I'm also really curious about the the ins and outs of this business, um, as far as like getting someone ready for a fight. Mm-hmm. So you said you take them, maybe, maybe they go one through five. Right. And then after that, they, they go somewhere like their first five or a few fights. Yeah. Like we get people that they, they want to stay amateurs. They do it as a hobby and as a sport oh, okay, cool. and, yeah. and we, we train them. We spar most of our gyms spar Tuesdays and Thursdays. They're doing drills, learning the technique, learning how to, to spar correctly, mm-hmm. how to fight in the ring. And then they'll go to tournaments, they'll go to USA boxing matches, eventually golden gloves. But there's a rare occasion where you've got somebody that's just super talented. And I would be lying to say that we could help them go pro because it's just not our model. Yeah. And we we suggest they're the, like the Fulmer brother Jim in uh, in uh, Utah yeah. is world renowned for for putting out good fighters and they've got a lot of great talent. And that's a great gym to go for people that really want to take their fight game to the next level mm-hmm. or or specifically fight, not just learn the technique and get a great workout, but actually get in the ring. And that's most of their time is, is competing. Yeah. I like that. And there's some good professional trainers here. Joe Bish is a, is a guy that, that uh, trains a lot of professionals. (laughs) Like he's huge personality and a great trainer and has some good boxers. He really does. There's 
Wow. A few up and comers that he's working with right now that I'm really impressed with. Yeah. So no, that's really cool. So if somebody comes in here and they want to just do an amateur and they want to, they tell you like, I want to fight, right? I want to, I want to do an actual match. How long do they have to train before you're like, okay, I'll let you fight? Because I'm sure, because I'm sure like there's somebody, I want to fight tomorrow, but like, you know, a lot of, yeah, you're like, no, 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 no. You can't fight until you. After every Conor McGregor fight, there's five <laughs> phone calls of they want to be the next Conor McGregor. So, um, That's yeah, awesome. no, we, we, uh, and usually one conditioning class, they change their mind. So oh, of course, when yeah, people realize the amount of effort it takes to be in shape just to train, yeah, like yeah. you have to get in shape to train, you know? Yeah. So yeah, no, we, we. Uh, we, we let people know that it's really based on them and how much work they're willing to put in and, you know, safety is our main priority. So we're not going to just put somebody in there and have two meatheads beat each other up. Right. You know, it's really about, are they putting in the work in the gym to be ready to, to spar so that they can learn it correctly? Because if you're not conditioned, you could have great natural a- athleticism, but you can't last 30 seconds in a ring. It doesn't really matter. So we, yeah, exactly. You know, so an average, it's about 90 days before people really start sparring. And then it, then it's up to their, their work ethic and their talent. Okay. But you don't have like a, like, you know, in some of the jujitsu gyms, right? If you want to, if you want to go to a tournament uh, as a white belt, you have to be in that gym for a year, right? Like we don't, yeah, we don't have that again. Cause we have so many members and it's, oh, it's broad okay. over, over many States that it's really up to the head coach. Oh, to make okay, sure cool. that he's, he's protecting their best interest. Right? Yeah. Okay. That and, makes sense. That makes sense. And, and, you know, and I guess is and I keep, but I'm just trying to learn. And that's why I keep kind of comparing it to what I know, because sure. like, um, you know, like in a, in a jujitsu gym, like you would never put up, you know, all these white belts think they can, you know, do whatever. <laughs> right. And, um, and I was one of them, like, right. cause I came from wrestling and like judo and things. Um, but then, yeah, you just get your ass kicked and you're like, nope. And then your coach will be like, no, you can't do this for a year because, right. you know, even right now, uh, uh, an experienced white belt, white belt would beat you. And so it's just always funny, like how you navigate those conversations because I bet it gets kind of crazy. It does, but we're very firm on it, right? Because, yeah. it, you know, you're, you're getting punched in the head. Right? So it's not exactly, <laughs> you know, like throwing a baseball, you know, like right. jujitsu, right? You can yeah. break somebody's arm if you're not doing it correctly. And Right, um, right, right, right. Or know, like there's permanent injury that can happen if things are not done right. Yeah. And even like, you know, boxing, jujitsu, some of these like, like combat sports, it's like not only that, but like you could hurt yourself if you have that ego. For sure. And so waiting a year, not only builds your technique and your skill, but it also like helps your lessen your ego. Cause you like start realizing like, you know, cause the best thing that the best thing ever is to see, and I'm sure this happens in boxing too, but the best thing ever is to see in jujitsu is to see like a, a white belt, like a fiery white belt go, you know, like a fiery 200 pound white belt go up against a, a 150 pound brown belt yeah. and just get mopped, <laughs> Humble you, know? <laughs> yeah. you know, just get mopped. And, and that's great. And like, by the way, it happened to me, happens to everybody. Yeah. I think it's just a passage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I remember being younger and having a large ego thinking I was ready and my coach <laughs> humbling me a few times with a couple straight rights. And yeah. I still yeah. remember those imprints in the back of my mind. So, <laughs> well, and you like, you have to like, uh, you just got to go through that. Like my, one of my fr- favorite phrases in life is like, there's something sacred about getting your ass kicked. Yeah. Cause, and I, and I, and I tell people that like, I use the word sacred, like intentionally. Yeah. And I think there's like for boxing and why I love it so much, why it's been the passion, why I want to give the gift of boxing to so many people and why I cling to legends is, is that humility and that confidence that you gain by doing a sport like this, you know, in jujitsu, any combat sport, it's confidence. Confidence helps you understand failure and success. And I think it helps you in so many different parts of your life. Yeah. I think. 
No, I, I totally think you're right. So that's, that's way cool. I think, uh, you know, as much as like people want to get into, you, you know, these things in business, like, you, you know, the points you bring up are, are great. You know, like the only way you can do this. Yeah. I think, you know, failure is part of business. I was having yeah. this conversation uh, with somebody this morning about, um, some of the most epic failures I've ever had, you know, like yeah. thinking about, man, I was, how was I going to get through that at the time? I did not know how I was going to get through that, yeah. but those things conditioned me for what I'm able to do now. Yeah. And I relate it so much to boxing because you'll, you'll put in the time and effort into the gym, into conditioning, into going to classes, into learning, and then transferring it to sparring, transfer to competing. It's all that time and effort and discipline and losing constantly yeah. until you finally <laughs> get to a point where you start getting the confidence to win. And it's all those building blocks, right? And so yeah. in my mind, business is very much the same way. Yeah. So you'd said earlier, you talked to a lot of um, business, like young entrepreneurs, people who want to start businesses, right? Mm -hmm. um, what do you, I mean, what's the, what's the first thing you tell them? that uh, it's the hardest thing that you'll ever do <laughs> and, <laughs> and, the, okay, and make sure okay, it's, yeah, it's yeah, something yeah. that you really want to do. Yeah. And there, there's, you know, I don't know any overnight success stories, you know, there's right, right, right. Yeah. Like 20, it took me 20 years to become an overnight. Success. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah. So that's the very first thing. And then, and then I have them decide between, is this a business or is this a hobby? Right. Are you, yeah. there's very distinct differences between that. You know, the people will see something and they think it's this viable business, but all right, let's check all these boxes. Does it actually have teeth? Can it do well in the marketplace? What makes yeah. it unique and different? What problems do you solve? Yeah. Now, is this something you do on the side of, of legends? Like you do, are you, you know, you help consult other business owners. It's no, it's just something I enjoy doing. You know, I get called all the time or asked questions or friends or family or yeah. kids or people that, you know, <laughs> that I might know my background, but uh, also our franchise owners, right? They're, they're business owners. They're starting a legends franchise. And there's a lot of, yeah. of path and, and execution is really what we want them to do is execute our, our business philosophies and yeah. our systems. However, there's a lot of keeping people on the right track and doing things the way you're supposed to do them. And that yeah. sometimes requires a lot of repeating and do yeah. this and don't do that. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, we always try to make it better, right? We, <laughs> yeah. You know, and some things just need to do it the right way. And then, yeah. You know, there are better ways sometimes. And so, right. Um, but it's our natural instinct. Quite frankly, I'd be a terrible franchisee <laughs> because I would always, I try to take stuff and go, how do I make it better in mine? Right. And, right. 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 You know, with franchising, you really just need to execute. And so a lot of my, the coaching or consulting or whatever is really just helping people determine what it is that you need to do. Is it execution ideas? Yeah. Is it a hobby? Is it a real thing? Does it have teeth? What the, the biggest question was always, what problems does it solve? Yeah. Okay, cool. And when you, yeah. Like, yeah. You're like, what, uh, what problems does it solve? And like, yeah. And how do you solve it differently? Right. right? Um, that's pretty cool. I like that. And, and there's uh, so many ways to approach it, but as a, but yeah. And I like how you said like, cause I too would be a terrible franchisee, but like franchising is also a great way. Like if you want to own a business, have equity, learn the ins and outs of it and, and not have a ton of risk, like owning a franchise is still a risk, sure. but, but it's less of a risk because you have a game plan. There is a playbook. There is, already proven models around you doing literally the exact same thing. And, uh, do you ever have to like, I mean, I know franchising is a lot of like people convincing you that they're the right person for the franchise, but does the, but do those kind of conversations ever come up where you're like, the, you know, where you're selling them on, on the idea? It's mutual, right? Like it's, we're vetting, yeah. right? So, uh, they're vetting us, we're vetting them. And then, um, we've, we have turned people away and just that it's 
not a good fit. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the, and people have turned us that, that it's not a good fit for them. And, um, yeah, but that's healthy. Like that's healthy though. I think, yeah. I think of that as like, that's exactly what you, if you're not turning away people, then, and vice versa. Like if there's, you know, if you're closing hundred percent, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And we, we don't want hundred percent, right? Exactly. Because we believe in our, our concept, our philosophies and, yeah. and our methods and not everyone will follow those. And, and yeah. you, know, the, you know, the, the, the areas where it's very important, we've learned this <laughs> as we've opened more locations, it's very important that we vet people right away that, that these systems are there for a reason. And, yeah. and, um, you know, we've, we had no gyms, uh, close or fail during, uh, we had to close them because the, we were required, but none of them right. stayed closed. They all opened back up and are still in business, which is yeah. Well, I would nice. Be, I would imagine that during COVID, like this would be one of the gyms that would be fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, we we bounced back. Thirty five percent of all the gyms across the country didn't reopen. Right, like right. after yeah, COVID, it, it put tough. them out of business, yeah, and so we were pretty fortunate that all of our franchise owners survived. Now it was painful; it was millions of dollars lost, and yeah. uh, luckily most of them have recovered and well on their way to pre COVID numbers again, which is nice. That's but cool. that was nice because of the support the, from them and from us and them, we worked very closely together to get through it. Right. It, yeah. was, it was very, it's, it, it's something that you couldn't really forecast or plan on. Right. Like, <laughs> right. And so you're learning as you're going how to adapt and pivot accordingly. Yeah. That's really cool. I think, uh, but, but again, like franchising for these businesses, like, because you have that support group is a great business to start. I mean, look at, I mean, look at that. Like during COVID, you didn't lose any businesses. We, we heard a little bit, but Hurting a little bit and totally shutting down is two really different things. Yeah. Oh, I was sad. I saw a lot of like uh, mom and pop gym owners that it's just so couldn't afford to, to, I couldn't believe it. Right. But yeah. you know, you, you, you have to plan, I think in, in business, you have to plan every six to seven years, right. That there's something that's going to happen, right. Like whether it's a recession or economic disaster, but you can't really yeah. plan for a, a, a plague, you know? So, <laughs> um, so this was definitely sure. a big, big learning thing, but it, it helped us really look at our business very closely and said, you know what, we don't know what the future looks like. How lean are we? Where can we cut? What, what, uh, what yeah. what's our, uh, what's our weaknesses? And it, and it exposed a lot of weaknesses that we had to really look in the mirror and go, you know what, we need to change this. And, COVID really did that for us and, and our new model and real lean, real precise execution heavy. I'm pretty excited about our future is just being, you know, through that really hard time, there's some yeah. definite silver lining that made us better as a company. It Absolutely. exposed us. Yeah. I, and I think that's, you have one of two options, like every, every really successful person that I've interviewed and okay, I take that back. Most of them who lived through 08 or like COVID, like always came out ahead. And so you just, it really is true that you have to take some of the, these kinds of opportunities and like try to make the most of them, be ready for opportunities like that. They're always, in my mind, there always is an opportunity somewhere, right? And it takes, yeah. sometimes it takes really looking at your situation and not being too in love with your product to go, how, how can I prevent an exposure like this in the future? And you, and I, we found a bunch of stuff and I'm sure other businesses did too. But that's, I mean, but the self-awareness and the ownership that you have to have over something like that, you know, ownership that you have to have that mindset of ownership and that mindset of like self-awareness that you have to have to be able to examine your business and be like, yep, we're missing it here. And this is what we need to do. And like having no ego. Cause like, that's, I think also, I mean, in my mind, that's where a lot of people missed it too. They just weren't, nobody was really willing to look at it and, you know, look at their baby and say, ah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I've been a victim of that myself doing yeah. that. Well, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, we all, yeah, we all I'm I had not, to grow as a yeah, person. Yeah, blaming anybody for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think my career actually took off when I 
realized I'm not good at most things. I'm yeah. only good at a handful of things. I happen to be probably above average on just a couple things, but yeah. um, I, we, we run a, we run our business kind of off the rocket fuel uh, philosophy. It's a, a book that, that uh, really hit hard with me that I'm oh, going, cool. wow, we, we really need to run our business this way. And it, it has to do with like visionary and integrator. And um, I'm a visionary. That's my skill set. I've got ideas and have a vision for it. And then yeah. I need somebody that helps me execute it. And so Mary, she's our CEO and uh, she, uh, has worked her way up through the company. And now she runs the company, runs the day-to-day operations for any business that I'm a part of. And we found that to work just perfectly, you know, yeah. with, with, with growth, with vision, execution, yeah. understanding who needs to do what, what team member is assigned to the, the, that yeah. duo seems to be our, our formula. And you know what? A lot of people get messed up when they do, when they talk about entrepreneurship and they think it's like, I have to, you know, start something new I'm, I have to be, I have to wear all the hats and certainly part of entrepreneurship is wearing multiple hats and doing it on your own. But like, I've also know, I've also learned about entrepreneurship that there are different like roles, right? Like you were talking about like visionary. I heard Tom Bilyeu, uh, give three, you know, he was like visionary linchpin. And then there was a, there was a third one that I, I can't remember right now, but that, but that it was funny, like entrepreneur linchpin, right. which was like, like Mary is what in this case, right? Like She's the, if you didn't have Mary, like that would be it. Yeah, almost. no, I, I would, it would be chaos. <laughs> right. For sure. Yeah, for chaos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like nobody would, but like I would consider, and, and I mean, I think you would too, right? But like Mary would be an entrepreneur. Like that's her, that's her skill set. She like does this thing and that's how she lives herself as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So Cameron Harold coined a phrase. I don't even know if it's a real word, but yeah. it's called intrapreneur, right? Where they, yeah. they, um, are not, they're the kind of the opposite of me. It's not kind of the exact opposite of me, like yeah. Mary and others like Mary that are operations heavy, their COO mindsets, financial mindsets. Yeah. They're, they're great at plans. They stress out over change. They stress out over having to come up with ideas and yeah. be super creative. Like they, they're better at, Oh, these 10 tasks need to get done and I'm going to get them all done and make them go to yeah. the finish line in order, doing it the right way. Right. Where yeah, I'm like yeah, yeah. one to Z to nine. Right. And, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> my life is usually organized chaos and, and I function that way, which is not always, you know, so I realized yeah. very early that, um, if I were going to do anything, I, I need somebody around me that can take my ideas and sort out a priority and which one makes the most sense. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. A lot of that. And then once I did that, I was able to see, okay, yeah, this is, this is perfect. Right. And it right. took giving up, right. It took giving up a lot of uh, control, which is hard. I think for entrepreneurs is to realize and look in the mirror and go, what am I good at? What am I not good at? And being very self-aware and then being willing to give up control of your baby or your, your idea and mm-hmm. to somebody that can help you get it done. I think once I finally did that, it was stressful, but then it became very perfect, right? It was like, yeah. wow, you know, the, the stress went away and all of a sudden uh, achievements, goals and, and things were happening. Yeah. So, um, it was, it, this was years ago now, like, right. Yeah. It seems like yesterday, but it's been many years of, of, uh, this formula working over yeah. and over again. I like that. I like that entrepreneur because there's, I feel like when you, t- I talk to entrepreneurs, cause like, I'm not a traditional entrepreneur. Like I've had businesses like this podcast. I have like a, like a little podcast production company, but every time I try to go out on my own, it's like, I'm always sucked back into like sales for somebody or like just helping people. Cause like, I'm just not that kind of person. Like I have too much, like I love helping people too much and being involved in people's businesses. 
that I'm like, oh, you need a salesperson? Oh, for sure. I like it. Yeah, let's go sell. You know what I mean? But the but the benefit of like having my own businesses on the side, and I think they'll, I, I love it, right? But I think the benefit is, is like, I never get sucked into a bad situation. Like I never get desperate where right. I'm like, I have to take, the, oh my gosh, if I don't take this, I'm not going to pay my bills or whatever. Because like I have on the side, like things that I do, but I'm always like, um, so, so I think that's one of the things that I like about my entrepreneurial journey. Right. But, and then you have like entrepreneurs, right. Who are like the, you know, you have these visionaries who have like, they have these ideas and, and they just need somebody who can like, see it. You're like, I get that. Right. And I can make that work. And then just, I think there's a big thing, right. The, uh, there's a lot of skilled people that make really good salaries. Right. But they would be very uh, stressed out as an entrepreneur, not sure where their money's coming from. Right. And (laughs) it it doesn't make them better or worse, but I think the factor that I've noticed is, in my opinion, is the fear of failure, right? At the end of the day, I I don't think in my mind that I'm going to fail. I think I'm going to succeed at whatever it is that I decide to do. It's just part of my mind. And so I think I'm not better or worse than anyone. I just don't have that fear. And I, I noticed that some people that they have more skill than I do. They just yeah. carry that fear with them and that prevents them from doing something that they ordinarily probably would be great at and be able to execute just fine. But when you're just paralyzed by fear, it uh, doesn't let you move forward. And so people yeah. get comfortable in a job and they sell their time and, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, live a whatever life they want. But I think that's fear is usually the reason why people don't do a lot. Sure. Sure. And I, yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think that like fear, um, plays a huge factor. And, but that's also why I like, I've, I've also had like the weird jobs, like, because selling is like, I've always been a commission, right? Like it's always eat what you kill. And that, and some, and people always get like, I've had family criticize me a ton for that. You know, like my grandpa is a general contractor and an entrepreneur. So I never understood this. He's like, well, how do you, how do you, how do you know when you're going to get a sale or make money? And I'm like, how do you know when you're going to get your next job? <laughs> right. It's true. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm the different, you know what I mean? You sell, you just don't call it that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think we get comfortable knowing that that's, that, that drives us. Right. Is that, yeah. that hunt, you know? Oh hunters, dude, yeah. for real though. Like yeah. it's, it's nice. And so, um, we just, the, the cool thing is like, uh, you know, but also being self-aware enough to be like, you know, are you an, are you actually an entrepreneur or are you fit? Are you, you know, or is your path like, having the side gigs that make you a little bit of money that make it, I call it like, I've, and I've heard it called, I don't call it. I've heard it called and I've adopted the term like F you money. Right. right. Like that's what my side gigs give me to where like, if somebody, like I was recently laid off from a sales job and everybody was the end of the world for some of the people that I worked with. Right. And for me there, I'm just like, eh, cool. Whatever. Yeah. I think <laughs> you know I, I mean? the multiple streams of income is something that was taught to me early on, you know, like yeah. when you, you, you can make a lot of money. I see a lot of people that make a lot of money. Right. And then they yeah. spend it as fast as they make it. And then, <laughs> right. you know, I did that early on and of course, um, yeah, I think everybody did. Yeah, creating the, <laughs> right. I think foundations happen when you have multiple streams, right. Yeah. When you're making money while you're sleeping and you have you know lots of people that are able to kind of use your ideas or use your concepts and yeah. that's scalability, right? Like right. if you find something great, figuring out a way to scale it. So a lot of what I do now is looking for businesses that make sense to me that I can scale. I don't want just one. I want a hundred. Right. And so I bought, you know, a barber shop a couple of years ago and don't know anything about hair, but I thought, wow, this is such a cool business. And it was struggling and ready to go out of business. And we took our, our philosophies, our systems that we used at legends 
put it into this barbershop and open another location. Okay. Now we're ready to open a third and we're going to start franchising it soon. And wow. Same exact okay. thing as legends. So you talk, so you say the same exact thing as legends. So mm-hmm. you're talking about the processes and procedures, right? And that's crazy. And so this is my hot take on like sales and businesses like business, like sales is sales, right? Right. Like, and business is business. So when you say that you took those, um, you knew nothing about barbershops, but you took the same systems and processes that worked in legends and put them into the barbershop. Um, what did, did you have to change anything or was it like really like plug and play? No, we had to change a lot. Like uh, okay. I think a lot of barbers are artists, right? You know, yeah. they're, they're so you phenomenal. Had, so you had like the vision, right? right? So it was like the, this, this process gets us this outcome. And this is what we're, and I think that, I think that that's a really good point. I didn't mean to cut you off, but this is really exciting because for me, it's like, you know, this process is supposed to get to this endpoint, and people will have a lot of processes and procedures in their business only because someone else told them like, they don't understand why they're there. Right. And so when you understand, it sounds like you had the why they're there, right? Like this is, this is what, you know, these are the seven things that need to happen in a business, right. That to make it successful or what seven, I use that arbitrarily, uh, but. You're close. I, I, uh, there's okay. three things in my mind and okay. it doesn't matter what widget you're selling or what <laughs> service it's, okay. you, you have finance, you have sales and marketing, right? It's the same category. And then you have operations and that's it. There's those, those three things. Okay. And usually if your business is not doing well, one of those three things is off or the entrepreneur or business owner is trying to do all three and they may be a finance person, but they're terrible at sales. You know, a lot of finance people are, are not great at this or a lot of sales people are not yeah. great at finance or of whatever. Course. Right. Of and course. so a lot of those businesses are doing these and one of the three or two of the three or three of the three are not doing well. Yeah. So when I go into a business, we look at that first. Well, let's break down your business. Here's your finances. Usually you're in a lot of debt or this or that, right? How yeah. do you pay your bills? Do you have QuickBooks? Do you have a bookkeeper? You know, they're usually, you know, paying their bills differently <laughs> on a small business, right? Yeah. And then operationally, is it easy for your customer to purchase? Is it, is your training manuals up to date? How's your hiring process? There's a lot of those things. And then marketing, how do your clients find you? Where, yeah. where are you spending money and how do you get repeat business? And is it easy to buy from you? Those, those things all matter. And then, so it didn't matter that it was haircuts, right? Cause we use the exact same things. And, you know, we took a business from that was nearly going out of business from like, it was doing maybe 12,000 a month in revenue to 60,000 a month in revenue in 12 months yeah. by just adding these things. Yeah. By adding some technology. And, and that's what I'm super interested in right now is like, uh, because here's another thing about entrepreneurship. So like a big thing right now and why I'm super interested in like franchising and like acquiring is like this acquisition entrepreneurship, which is uh buy over build. Right. Right. Like, cause there's so many like barbers, right? Like they just love cutting hair. Like some of them, some of them aren't business owners. Some you, I'm sure there's some out there who are right. But um, some of them aren't. And so they just need like that. Like we were talking about earlier, they just need like that, that linchpin that's like, Hey, I'm really good at cutting hair, but like, yeah, if you want to come in and run this and we work out some agreement that works between us, like take it to the moon and I'll ride with you or whatever, right? I see that with a lot of professionals at the, in the same light. We're, we're starting a chiropractic wellness brand this year. Oh, cool. It's going to open end of the year. And this guy, a uh, friend of mine, Gannon Ward, he's a great chiropractor. And he'll be the first to admit that the business side is not something that he wants to do or his, or his strength is, right? And that's great yeah. because he's aware of that. And exactly. quite honestly, I want my doctors to not be good business people, right? <laughs> I want them to be, to good, be doctors. good doctors, good yeah. scientists, whatever, right? You focus yeah. on that. We'll help you make money. So we're taking, again, same thing we did with Legends, same thing with Barbershop, same thing we did with the Fight Nights, and we're yeah. adding it to this chiropractic business. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it because 
I feel extremely confident that the same exact three pillars of this business are going to function just like the other ones. And I think we figured out a really great game plan. Well, yeah, yeah, it has to, right? Because right. right. like, like uh, when I, t- I got my degree in accounting, uh, working on an MBA in finance and the, the first, the first class of finance and accounting is like, it's literally called the language of business. Right. Okay. So it has to be, and then sales and marketing just, that just happens. And right. operations just happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like you couldn't remove that even if you wanted to. Right. And you see what I'm saying? could happen yeah. poorly. Well, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it does happen no matter what. Right. It, yeah. It happens no matter what. And so if you go out of business, yeah, that means you were doing them poorly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or right. you know and, what I'm saying? Yeah. And a lot I, of it is, is letting go and realizing I am doing it poorly. Like the best gift I ever had was having somebody tell me I'm not good at this. Right. Like the, the areas that I'm good at are these things and that's yeah. it. And I stay well, in my lane. Yeah. How did you get to that point? Um, mentally, because that's a pretty hard, that's a pretty tough conclusion to come to for, for, I feel like anybody, because we all have egos. It's hard to look at yourself and be like, yeah, you don't do like, um, the, the, the analogy that I've heard it, uh, is like you're, and I said this on another podcast, but it's just true. Like, it's just funny how this always comes up, but like, um, you know, the sad guru said, he's like, your nose is right above your mouth. But for most of us, it takes another person to tell you that you have bad breath. (laughs) (laughs) Even though like, your nose is right there. Uh, so it takes a lot of self-awareness. And so I'm just curious for you, what would that path was like? So I remember it so vividly. I was in the insurance business, right? Like okay. I, I, so my short story is I, I'm a high school dropout. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, school was not for me. Um, I had a knocked up my girlfriend and <laughs> lived on my own and dropped out of, uh, or moved out of my house when I was 16. And I'm like, what am I going to do to provide for this new family that I wasn't planning on having? And, and, uh, so I started selling insurance and that's the only place that really hired me on commission. So I sold insurance and ended up doing fairly well at it. But I had this moment where I had this, had this sale that I made that it was a very large commission for me at the time. And I couldn't do the paperwork. Like I'd sit and look at it and I'd procrastinate and put it off and do this and do that. And I'm like, if all I do is just do this paperwork, I'm going to get this commission. Why is this so hard? And I realized I had so much anxiety about doing stupid paperwork. That, so I finally just asked somebody, hey, can you help me get this paperwork done? And they were like, sure, of course. They got it done super fast and easy. And it was something they loved doing. And I go, oh, man, my anxiety, my stress drop. <laughs> I'm going to go make another sale. So and then I said, yeah. hey, if I pay you to do my paperwork and help me book my appointments, uh, is that something you'd be willing to do? And she said, yeah, absolutely. So it was like Bing, right? The light went off. And said, <laughs> You're like, oh, I need a team. <laughs> you do this. I'll yeah. do this. And, and it yeah. kind of help me start to define what I was good at. Right. Yeah. And, and so yeah, that, uh, that moment I, I'll always remember because it was in my mind, looking back at it ridiculous, I couldn't even do the paperwork, but it, I, right. I've learned that it's something as simple as that. I shouldn't be doing the paperwork, right. I yeah. should be focusing on the areas that, that would drive revenue. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with getting a team. Cause some people like, like your story just outlined is like, dude, I love, I love paperwork. Like, all right, cool. And you know, what's right. so funny. Like now in 2022, is like, you can make a lot of money doing paperwork oh, for business. For sure. <laughs> like sure. that can be your entrepreneurial journey. And that's why I started this podcast. One of the big reasons was like your, your path to financial freedom doesn't have to be any certain way. Cause like, I know people, I know people who go on Fiverr and that's all they do for it. They, they literally, their businesses, I approach high performing salespeople and I do all the shit that they don't want to do. That's and that's exactly how I pitch it. And everybody says the same thing. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's and they're true. like, that's their entrepreneurial journey. And it's cool. Like, that's great. Why wouldn't you do that if you if you were good at it? Like, yeah. there's no excuse anymore, I don't think. I mean, 
if you can get your mind right and you have an internet connection and you have a, some kind of skill that somebody will pay for, like rock and roll, like let's go. Like, that's what I think um, is one of the best recession proof things you could do for yourself is not like have a huge savings account, although that would help and not have a really secure job because COVID taught us like nothing secure. Right. If you're not, if you're not what else, what someone else would call an essential employee, then you're done. You're toast. Right? right. Or an essential business. You're toast. Um, have a skill and then, and then get going. Like I wasn't scared during COVID and I, and with all the craziness, crazy talks right now, like everybody's freaking out. I'm like, why are we freaking out? Like everybody will always need salespeople. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, or the marketing, you, you right? adapt, right? I, I've always yeah. believed that I, I'm not necessarily concerned about what the rules are. As long mm -hmm. as I know them, I'm going to figure out a way to win. You Amen. know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Cause it's, it, you can worry yourself about things you can't control. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have to make sure that the things I can control are in perfect order. Cause there's so many things in business you yeah. can't control. You have no idea what the economy is going to do, what the recessions do, if world war three is going to happen. I have no control over that. So I don't worry about it. What I do yeah. worry about is every detail of every part of whatever business I'm involved in, are those things in line and are they controlled and do I have the right people, right? Like yeah. as, you, as you scale your business, you start finding more people that have more diverse skill sets and very unique talents and yeah. we've got great creative people and we've got great accountants and we've got, you know, skilled lawyers and things that really help you dial each knob a little bit more precise. So it's not yeah. really just one or two people. Now you're dealing with teams of people and, and those people bring so much to the table and make it so that you can do more. Yeah. Amen. Well, that's really cool, man. So I, I appreciate you coming on. I, you've been more than generous with your time. You know, we've been going for a while, but I'm curious, you know, to kind of wrap this up, like, um, you know, wh where are you going? Like, what, what are, what is your vision? Like what carries you? Uh, it, it's my vision has been the same. Always create to, as was to create multiple streams of income, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but I wanted, I like being in businesses that I have passion around that. I feel like I'm making a difference that, you know, legends, we formed a tribe of people and it's really cool to walk into the gym in North Carolina and feel the same exact energy as South Austin and the same exact energy as Lehigh, Utah, and everyone in that tribe just fits. Right. And yeah. to me that, that is success and that's what feels good. And I think making money, you know, as most entrepreneurs, it's relatively easy to make money, yeah. but doing something where I wake up every day and I feel really glad that I'm doing what I'm doing. To me, that's what I want to continue to do. And whether yeah. it's these other businesses, as long as it's something that aligns with my core values and, and my vision, then I feel fulfillment and feel happy doing it. That's sweet. Well, thank you so much, Rob. Thanks for being here. Thanks for, thanks for letting us be here. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, sorry for all the technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you.